So what did you guys think about the Super Bowl this year? Oh, don't remind me. It still hurts to think about. I know. Tell me about it. Same here. Did you guys bet on either of the teams? I mean, I didn't personally, but I did hear that across the board, we saw an increase in the number of people betting on this year's Super Bowl. Oh, really? Do you know why? I heard about that, too. The New York Times came out with an article reporting that this year was the first year where fans could enter the stadium and bet on-site legally. It's interesting that you say that, Sarah, because I had thought that sports betting had been legal for the longest time. You hear about things like fantasy football and how easily accessible these betting websites are. I had just assumed that they were very legal everywhere you went. Technically, gambling is legal in the United States on the federal level, but it meets a lot more restrictions at the state level. Gambling is legal in 48 states with the exception of Hawaii and Utah. I mean, I can see why you think that, though, especially when a lot of those websites are just a tap of a finger away. I mean, have you seen how many casino games are on the App Store? There's even a version of Candy Crush that you could bet actual money. But if they're so accessible... What makes them such an issue? Well, at the end of the day, people who gamble find themselves like falling into gambling addictions, which is a huge concern for public health officials right now. Hi, my name is Sarah Gerges. And I'm Ikeem Simon. This is Daniela Uribe. Hi, this is Jennifer Sulaco. Black Women's Health Alliance works to help all Philadelphians to be as healthy as possible. In this podcast, BWHA is tackling the subject of gambling. But just so we're on the same page, what is considered gambling legally? Well, gambling, which also falls under the terms wagers and betting, is legally defined as the staking or risking by any person of something of value upon the outcome of a contest of others, a sporting event, or a game subject of chance. Upon an agreement or understanding that the person or another person will receive something of value in the event of a certain outcome, and also includes the purchase of a chance or opportunity to win a lottery or other prize. So really, that means fantasy football, the Mega Millions jackpot, and that Candy Crush betting game you mentioned are just some of the forms that gambling takes on. Yeah, gambling is is very popular in America, even though it's highly restricted, and that's what makes it such a public health issue. According to the National Association for Problem Gambling, approximately 2 million Americans meet the criteria for severe gambling in a given year. And because of its addictive nature, researchers have found that people tend to adopt other risky behaviors, such as alcohol and drug abuse, or develop behavioral issues. But we'll get into that later in this episode. Okay, so let's talk about how you even get into gambling. Is it really as easy as downloading Candy Crush? It's a little bit more complicated than that. But you're right, Daniela. It has never been easier to gamble than it is today. But in reality, people have been gambling since ancient civilization. Akeem's right. Did you guys know that dice have been found in ancient tombs? Some would go as far to say that gambling is the second oldest profession. This may be true, but gambling didn't used to be as popular or as accessible as it is now, right? Yes, you're right. By the late 1990s, only 12 states had legal casino gambling. 25 years ago, most of us would have had to travel out of state to gamble. 
and online gambling had not gained the massive popularity that it has today. That is so true. Does anyone want to guess how much money the gambling industry raked in during 2022? Hmm, let me guess. I'll go with 500 million. Not even close. Think billions. Like $20 billion? $55 billion. Whoa. Yeah. I know, right? In today's day and age, the gambling industry made upwards of $55 billion in 2022. That's crazy. I was not expecting that. Same here. My point in telling you that is that gambling, although not a new phenomenon at all, keeps getting easier and easier to access because the easier it is for us to gamble, the more money the gambling industry is going to make. Research has shown that since the pandemic, adolescents have been more likely to gamble online than before. I felt that actually. Quarantine was so isolating. I honestly jumped at any opportunity to interact with others, even if it was through a screen. Yeah, that was also very true for me. For this episode, I actually wanted to share with you guys how many gambling websites there are out there, so I looked it up. But instead of getting a number... I got an ad that says top 10 PA gambling sites in 2023. Oh, so even without trying, you stumbled onto 10 sites that make gambling easy and accessible from your own home? Exactly. How crazy is that? I know, right? As we will mention in other episodes, there are many factors associated with gambling that could increase your likelihood of getting into gambling. Research has shown that gambling is associated with stress, depression, substance use, and more can all increase your chances of getting into it. It's important to be conscious of what makes you vulnerable to gambling, though, which is something we'll talk about as we go through the episode in future months. So what exactly is gambling linked to? Is it connected to any comorbidities? Good question. There's a bunch to talk about, but we can focus on some main associations. For example, did you know that men are more likely to gamble than women? My understanding is that female gamblers have expressed more negative behaviors, including anxiety, as well as depression, compared to men. So women that are pathological gamblers are more often gambling as a coping mechanism or basically as a form of escape. Hmm, there's definitely a prevailing association between early depression and problem gambling. I know many young adults may turn to gambling as a method to escape negative moods or distract from other stressors. A study I read mentioned negative emotionality as the most key predictor of gambling habits as it confirmed the correlation of anxiety dis disorders and pathological gambling. Another study that I found found that stress was the only statistically significant mood that was predictive of an online gambling addiction. Interesting, right? Yeah. On another note, adolescents displaying gambling-related problems are at an increased re risk of alcohol or substance use. So there are core morbid relationships between disordered gambling and depression and alcoholism. I mean, that's so true. I mean, we could see it casually throughout our peers every day. And I know a big portion of individuals simultaneously drinking and gambling, especially since alcohol is often readily available at casinos.
So female pathological gamblers are also significantly more likely than men to have a lifetime nicotine dependence. And something else that I found was that gambling is also related to impulsivity. The research on this topic has been quite varied. Ah, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, also known as ADHD, exhibits impulsive behaviors that may work in tangent with problem gambling behaviors. Besides impulsivity, though, other personality factors that play a role in the development of gambling addiction include sensation-seeking and under-controlled temperament. I would see that this would be correlated to impatient, overactive, and impulsive tendencies. It's suggested that problem gamblers are easily distracted. Although there are negative consequences and greater risks down the road, whether they see it or not, it may be difficult for those who get into gambling to stop. I mean, being a college student myself, I know a lot of college students may engage in gambling for social interaction or as a result of financial pressures, which increases the risk for experiencing mental health problems like depression and anxiety. Wow, it's crazy how gambling habits can leave college-age students like us deprived financially and socially. I know. Another podcast will get into the role of socioeconomic status in gambling. But did you guys know that 10 to 20% of problem gamblers have to eventually declare bankruptcy? Oh, wow. That's terrible. What we can learn here at the end of the day is that gambling in adolescence is linked to a greater risk of problem gambling in adulthood, as well as greater prevalence of addicted, addictive and psychological disorders like depression and suicidal thoughts. So gambling has affected all of our health in various different ways, as we've come to know. So we could all agree that it's a public health issue, right? Most definitely. Do you know what stance public health experts have taken on gambling? I do. Thanks to years of work in advocacy, gambling has been officially recognized as a public health issue by research researchers and experts alike. Has there been like any official medical recognition of the impact of gambling on health? Yes. The DSM updated their previous diagnosis of pathological gambling by renaming it to Gambling Disorder, or GD. This was an effort to increase its recognition and to improve research efforts directed at the disorder. Wow, I did not know that. That's a really good effort, as many medical professionals believe that gambling disorders remain undiagnosed and untreated within the population. It's really interesting that you say that. According to the World Health Organization, the prevalence of gambling disorders among adults varies between 0.1 and 5.8%, which at first looks minor, but can become a bigger problem when paired with other conditions. Excellent point, Jennifer. As we've come to learn in the previous section, researchers have found that there are strong ties between gambling addiction and other mental health disorders, all of which greatly impact college-age individuals. So... What do medical professionals and public health experts suggest be done about the issue? Experts and other medical professionals have been advocating for gambling to be officially recognized as a national public health issue, which would open the door for more research on the psychological impact of gambling on health and subsequent ways to combat this growing issue. Mm, well said, Sarah. Yes, I totally agree.
Okay, so we've talked a lot, so I think we should do a quick knowledge check. Which of the following are considered gambling guys? DraftKings, Solitaire, or Blackjack? This is a tough one. Hmm. I'm tempted to say all three. Is that right? Hmm, yes and no. Solitaire would be gambling if you're playing one of those mobile games that, you know, you have to bet money on. But otherwise, it's usually fine. Wow. So gambling really is more expensive of a word than we think it is. Definitely. Do you guys know any other forms of gambling? Well, since we've defined gambling as the staking or wagering of money on the outcome of a particular event, it would include casino games such as slots, whether at an actual casino or on a mobile app. You could also have wagering on horse races and bingo, when people bet money, of course. And technically, according to the IRS, raffles also fall under that umbrella as well, since people are basically paying for a chance to win an outcome, which would be them winning a prize in this case. But we also have to consider how different forms of gambling manifest in different age groups, guys. Focusing on college-age students, how do these different forms of gambling affect our population in comparison to other age groups? It's good you ask, because a recent study done by researchers at Yale Medicine found that college students gamble at a higher rate than the rest of the population. What do you guys think are the most common forms of gambling within our age group, then? Well, according to the National Council on Problem Gambling, that reported that the most common gambling activities chosen by college-age students include lotteries, sitting at 41%, next is card games at 38%, and finally sports betting at 23%. Really? I'm surprised sports betting wasn't higher on the list, because I feel like I've always heard people our age playing fantasy sports. Honestly, very true. I also thought the same thing. But I guess when you think about how prevalent these different forms of gambling are, these numbers start to make a bit more sense. When you have multiple retail convenience stores like Wawa and 7-Eleven within a five-mile radius of campus, and all you have to do is pick up a deck of cards to play poker, it makes throwing in some cash a whole lot easier. I couldn't agree more. On top of that, when you have all those comorbidities and risky behaviors attached to it, you can really see why so many college-age students are two to three times more likely to develop gambling addictions than adults. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I learned a lot from this. I had no idea that so many things could be identified as gambling, and it really surprised me how accessible it is. Honestly, same here, Daniela. Your points about the history were really great. I'm excited to learn more in future episodes. I second that, Jennifer. It was wonderful talking with you, Gal, today. I've learned so much from our conversation, and I'm looking forward to seeing the direction of gambling in the realm of public health in the future. Couldn't agree more. I found our conversation really insightful, and I'm looking forward to learning more about gambling in the upcoming podcast episodes. That's all that we have today, folks. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.